Okay, so we have begun a short mini-series on what? John. Uh, we did a lot in there, but it was specifically, it was more topical. We talked about donuts. Love. Love. We talked about love, and specifically the love of God, okay? That's what we were mostly concerned about. But we talked about love in general uh, when we began. This is a short series, and it's a mini-series just three weeks long. And this is the third week. Next week we are starting something totally different. Uh, but we started, and we remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the different types of love in... Um, in Greek, yes. So we had multiple of them, but the most important one that we came out with, agape, agape love. Oh, that's a terrible marker. Um, are they? Agape love, okay. And agape love had to do with what? Selfless love. Selfless love. And it means that I am putting you in front of me. Okay? You in front of me. So that agape love really describes God. And agape is a word used in a couple different forms throughout the Bible talking about God and his love. So that was the first week. And the second week... We focused on <clears throat> sacrifice because it says that the greatest thing you, that you can do for your friend is lay down your life, right? And there's no greater love, it says, than laying down your life for your friend. Or if you lay down your life for a complete stranger who got who was supposed to be badly injured or killed. Well, I guess that's let's probably that's becomes your friend at that moment, right? Well, you make that choice. There's a little kid in the road about to get in by a car. You don't even know him. You jump in the way. And you jump in the way. And if you do that out of an agape love, that you have a love for others, and you do it out of other treating others first, then yes, that's a great love. Okay? But the idea is this, is I'm choosing to make that person my friend, or even if it's my enemy and I choose to do that, the act itself is an act of love, okay? And love happens between friends, and that's why God says love your enemies, right? It's a hard thing to do, but he says love them because it will actually help to turn them, mm. all right? It will help them to understand and see God. I highly doubt that. Well... Then you might be wrong, because I wouldn't go against what God says, right? The Bible says this, is that love is a powerful thing. We're going to actually talk about what love is and what it looks like, okay? So, when we talked about that, it is God is love. Now, then we dug into this, because there's questions that should loom in your mind about in this world... If God is loving, then why is there a hell? Right? So, last week, yes, last week, this is, we're just going over things we looked at. Why is hell there? Well, say it was created specifically for Satan, but ultimately, those who will not have God in their life, who do not want God in their life, God will let them have that. So there will be a lack of God's presence there. God will allow them to live in eternity without his presence, which is really a terrible thing. I have a question. Did you hear this? Apparently a preacher in Minnesota got a heart attack, died, said he went to H-E-L-L, and the only songs he heard was, Don't worry, be happy, and Umbrella. But do you well, sing it? I'm guessing that's... Why would a preacher go to H-E-L-L? Well, I don't... I'm guessing that's probably not actually real. Maybe it's meant to uh, kind of throw people off their game or distract people, okay? So what we know about that, we talked about last week. Why is it there? How can God be loving? Well, he is very loving, and he offers opportunity to everyone, anyone who will come. 
but he's not going to force people to love him. Okay? And thus, those who make a choice can go to be without him in eternity. Okay? It's not a very good place to be, because if you think about it, all the blessings in this whole world, this whole universe, and beyond come from God. Everything that's left is not good. Okay? So, talking about God being love, ultimate sacrifice that he does that, we're going to look at a list of what love is. Okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians 13, verse number 1 we're going to start at. This is the chapter of love. Paul wrote about it. It describes love. And he's going to use a word charity that might be in your translations. Uh, but you can basically take and replace the word charity with love. Okay? Love as we know it is charity. Just another word for it, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 1. Are we there? All right, read it nice and loud. Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Okay, so... There is talent out there. Some people are especially talented at what they talk about, their speech. Right? There are people that are incredible. Some people can get up and preach a sermon and do an amazing job. Some people could get up and convince people to do something that they don't want to do or buy something they don't want to buy. They're very, very persuasive. There's also a thing as subliminal messages. There is. So, with, but we're talking about talking here. And he says, though I could speak with angels' voices to you, if I don't have love, then I'm nothing. I become as something. Now, a tinkling brass or, uh, I'm sorry, a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, um, that is like a gong or a, or a cymbal, okay? He's talking about a piece of brass. Now, tell me the difference between playing a clarinet and playing a symbol, or playing a trumpet and playing a symbol. Well, because we're starters, there's the mouthpiece, you have to play certain specific parts, as well as there's certain sounds, where the symbol But how do you make, okay, you, a with a symbol? You hit it. You hit it, okay. And it makes like, more, I mean, makes one, one pitch, one sound. One sound. And then, where a clarinet or a trumpet or a wind instrument, you like blow into it. And, and it makes like multiple you, sounds. And you have to like, Use your fingers to make. Okay, so tell me about when I stop playing the cymbal versus when I stop playing the clarinet. Cymbal rings, keeps playing. Okay. Clarinet stops immediately. Just stops, right? Because what do you need for the clarinet or the flute or the trumpet or the trombone or any of those things? You need to continue to make effort. Don't forget the recorder. All right? Even the recorder. You need to continue to make effort. A cymbal, bang! Resonates. And it resonates. And it rings. Okay? Why does he say that is like love or having a great, amazing talent without love is like that gong or that symbol. Hmm. 
people depend just on their talent and not, they don't have to like put forth effort and depend on it and like they don't love out of that. Okay, well, what does love take? Does love take effort? Yes. Love takes effort constantly. And the moment you stop loving, it just stops. It just stops. You can't start being mean and go off of the love you did yesterday. Right? But with that person that walks up and says, look how talented I am. It's like, Bong! You should bask in the glory of my talent. And there really was no more effort than the first hit. If someone did that, I would honestly probably most likely slap them for being like that. Well, and that's the idea. It's, Paul says, without love, you have missed the whole point. You just are kind of that ringing still. You might ring. But there's nothing behind it. There's no substance behind it. Okay? Like a big bang! And then that's it. That's, that's it. Okay? So, verse number... We're on two. Chapter 13. Verse number two and three, please. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, the prophet Alright, so I can be a prophet. I can know mysteries. I can be, have, be full of knowledge. I can give I can be so giving, I give everything I own away to the poor. And I not only can do that, but I can literally sacrifice my body for something. But if I don't do any of that out of love, then what am I? It says it on the end. You're nothing. Nothing. Not valuable. You can be the most talented person ever. And I have seen some people say, boy, we need some talented people to get in this church. Don't worry about talented people. Worry about people that are loving. That's what you want. You want people that love. Because you could have a, a whole pile of talented people. And I have seen talented people turned on work time and time again. Because, eh, that's not really what I really want to do. That's not what I really want to do. Take on any job. They take on whatever it is, and they don't care what kind of job it is. I have seen that even in our own village, where very, very talented people don't show up on work days. Even when we're doing something that's right up their alley. Yeah, so pretty weird. What good's that? If they don't have the core understanding behind it of... Who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? If there's not love behind it all, then there is nothing. There is nothing. There are some people that don't even show up on Tuesdays. They just pop up on Fridays. So, well, there's always people. But the whole point is here is you come to learn, to try to understand what God values. Right? What does God value? Because you want to be one of those people. And God doesn't value your talents. He gave them to you. He knows. He can do anything he wants with talents. But he values the love that you have. You know people that are way overconfident on the talent? Why well, could have just taken the talent away if you wanted to? He could. He could. So, love is everything. Okay? To God... To God, love is everything. Because it drives all things that are valuable. You could do all these things, have all these talents, give your body away, give all the things you want away in love, and if you do that, wow, it's a dynamite combination. But if you just go through the motions... Yep, I gave to the people that needed. 
yeah, and you had not a drop of love in there. This one company, dude, doesn't care about nothing but donates millions of dollars every year. Yep, and that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't have love behind it. All right, verse number four. Now we're going to get into what is it really? What is love? Verse four, please. Charity suffers long and is kind to charity envieth not. Okay, so it suffers long, that is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Then what? What did it say? It's got all those old phrases. Envieth not. What does envieth not mean? Okay. Does not not envying. Envying means you want something somebody else has. Okay, so you're not jealous. Okay, love is not jealous. Obsession. Love is not jealous. And then what? There's a couple of other things in there. Not easily provoked. Okay. That's That's the next one, right? That's, that's verse 5. We're in verse 4 still. Vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. Okay, so... It's not pride and pride. They're pride. So proud and conceited. Imagine yourself... Imagine a puffer fish, right? What does he do? He's really this big. I went on a beach in North Carolina and was looking for shells and I found an entire puffer fish dried out perfectly. Still have him. He's really cool, except the tail. Tail's gone. But the whole puffer fish, he fits inside my hand like this. I was careful when I picked up because I don't know if he was like poison or something. But puffer, okay. puffer <laughs> so, fish will actually extend itself due to the fact that it has very little bulbs. It'll puff itself up yep. through all partners, and even then, its spikes are very deadly. Right. So it puffs out big because it wants to look. Impressive. And trying to scare right? the fighters, but yep. you can also do that during mating rituals. Okay, so proud, so love is not proud, it's not conceited, it doesn't think big of itself. Okay, love not puffed up. Alright, next verse. Five, please. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, it is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Okay. So let's dig that out. What does that mean? Unseemly. Does not behave itself unseemly. Uh, it doesn't misbehave. Okay, it doesn't misbehave. Uh, how would it? How can you misbehave? Here's here's. If you look at other translations, behaving yourself miss. Uh, Bis- misbehaving basically means tearing others down. So basically, my cousin after school. Isn't this like the go-to like wedding? It is. Thing? It is. I've like heard this. Book. You've heard it a lot, probably, and it, a lot of people do it because it is. This is where the rubber meets the road with love. If you're really, really going to say you love somebody, then you better be able to do all these things. Because this is. The list of God. Right? This is God's list of how He acts towards us, towards everybody and everything. And with all of this, He is not jealous, He is patient, He is kind, He doesn't tear others down, He's not proud or conceited. Okay? But then you see opposite with Satan, He is proud and conceited. Okay? He does tear others down, He is not kind, He is jealous. He is an impatient, and he wants us to be that same way. All right? So, then, it does not seek his own, means it's not selfish. Selfish, not selfish. Okay? And then, what is the next one? Is not easily provoked. That's the slow to anger. <laughs> slow to anger. So I take a nice, big, sharp, pointed stick and just poke you. I would honestly snap that stick right now. And what are you supposed to do if you love me? 
Understand this. If I'm provoking you, it doesn't say never, never provoked, but what it says is not easily provoked. So if you are quick tempered, fast to anger, fast to tear other people down, that is not love. That's not love. That is not love at all. Love is where, yep, that person's done a lot to me. And it might hurt me to watch what that person's do done, but love doesn't tell me to strike back. Love tells me to be patient, be kind, not strike out in anger, okay? Not easily provoked. All right, verse number six. Oh, sorry. Uh, and then the last one we missed there, after not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. What is that? Evil. Well, they, they don't want to do that. Love is not manipulative. They're like, they're thoughts are good. Yeah, good like they, like they, good. like they, like they don't, they don't let themselves think about evil things. Or how about this? I'm not going to assign other people bad motives. Very often when we say, that person said that to me because they don't like me. Or that person did that to me, cut me off on the road because they are angry at me and they don't like me. So you're right. And so assign them that motive and say, I don't know what they're going through today. It appears on the surface that everything is mean and bad, but I'm going to assign them the best motive. I'm going to say they must not be thinking at this moment. So I'm going to be patient with them. And I'm going to continue to be patient with them. Okay. So, verse number, that's so they don't assign bad motives. Verse 6. Rejoiceth. 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 I know, it's weird. Not in, in iniquity, iniquity, which is. But rejoiceth in the truth. Iniquity. Isn't okay. Another word for equity meaning money. No, it means sin. So if you rejoice in sin, not a good idea. Not a good idea, right? So you rejoice not in sin. It means that you do not enjoy sin. Enjoy watching sin happen to other people, or doing wrong things. And love says, I don't enjoy that. Why? Tell me why doesn't love enjoy sin? Well, I can play this much. Love is not what Amy, Liam, Elizabeth... No. Why doesn't love enjoy sin? God is love and sin is rebelling against God. Sin is rebelling against God, but what ultimately happens with sin? It is bad. Bad. Let's see how to yeah. What happens with sin? It could lead to death. If I do something to somebody else that's mean, somebody else gets hurt. And they're going to be mean, and then it's just a chain reaction. It's not Ultimately, love says, I don't want to see other people get hurt, even if I benefit. If I'm going to be super greedy and I'm going to go with my spouse and I am going to plan to take all that I can from all of these people and be greedy about it, I, I can't. Love doesn't say rejoice in that. Love says we shouldn't do this. Someone actually did that. Like all these family members were trying to plan. Many, many people have done it. Yeah, there was yeah. this dog who technically his owner left him the entire houseland, but the owner's child took everything and forced the dog to sleep outside in the snow, and the dog died. So, uh, does not rejoice in sin, but rejoices in the truth. Love 
Does it lie? Likes the truth. Right. The truth is okay because the truth makes freedom. Right? Even if the truth is not that pleasant for the moment, love says, I'd rather hear the truth from you than hear a lie from you. Okay? And that if you really have love for a person. So this, like I said, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is really real in loving. This isn't just like, oh, I love everybody. Well, if you love everybody, are you kind to everybody? Are you never jealous? Are you always patient with a person, even if they cut in front of you and do mean things to you? Are you always thinking of others and not tearing them down by things you say? Are you never selfish getting first into something? Are you never proud and conceited and saying, I'm better than those people? Okay? Love does not allow that. Love says that's not. That's not real love. Okay? So, verse number seven. Verse seven, please. All things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Okay? Endure, believe, hope. Bearing all things is yes, it's enduring, it's holding on, it is through the hard times. It is through forgiveness. Yeah, like it is through kids. many things. Their mom disappeared and their dad went off on a trip. They haven't seen him for years. Their mom, she's still missing. They still hope that they're both alive. Right. And so you don't give up. Hope is a big deal. Hope is a big deal for love. And it's something you hold on to and say, I have a hope. A long-term hope. Okay. And... I have a belief. So the basis of love comes out of belief, right? I have a belief in that person. I know that that person can do great things. Um, and I, my stronger belief is in God. And I know that he can help me through all things. And I have hope that even if things look really bad, that I can trust in God. Okay? And I know that even if something really is bad, my love says I can endure this. Why am I enduring? Because it might be for someone else's betterment or someone else's gain that I endure. And because if I'm going to love, then I'm going to get used up. I get used up if I'm going to love. Okay. So, uh, hopes, trusts, perseveres, does not give up. Verse number 8. Charity never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. All right. Love will be the only enduring thing. Someday, God is going to come to this earth. Jesus is going to come down. He's going to set his foot on the Mount of Olives. He is going to take back the world. And he is going to stop the evil that has been growing in it. When he does that, all of the need for prophecies and knowledge and the things that we've been growing and learning and trying to do in this world to help us understand, the need for that will be gone. There may be whole new sets of knowledge. There will be things, it's not like we're going to all get mindless at that point, but the idea is all the things you focused on in this life to work so hard for those will be of very little value to transfer over. How you loved will translate through eternity. Love will remain because God's primary part is love. He loved before he existed or before before humans existed. And God existed from the very beginning. Before there was a beginning, God existed. And how did he love? He loved within the Trinity. Before there was anything to love. And his love was so big and so broad and so amazing that he said, I'm going to create a world, no, a universe to pour my love out on. 
and they're going to falter and they're going to fail and I'm going to send my son whom I love the greatest to die for those people to show my love right so God looks out over eternity and then at the end of of eternity the end of this world when future eternity starts love will still remain because it was the core of what began everything right so it goes back to these things no jealousy kind patient building each other up not selfish not proud not conceited hoping believing enduring all those things will stand out and will continue the test of time all right verse 9 through 12 please For we know in part and we prophesy in part. When I was a child and spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I even know even as also I know. Okay. Please give ten, which is... But uh, when that which is perfect is common than that, which is in part shall be done away. Okay, so what is only partially made now through love and through God's word and through this uh, sinful world through redemption, what is only partially existing now will be made perfect then. Things will change. My understanding will grow. And he says, when I was a kid, I used to think like a kid. I used to act like a kid. And then I grew up and I became an adult and things changed. And I understood why we did things more the way we did them. I understood more about the world. I understood more about the family. I understood more about church. I understood more about my surroundings. And so you grew in maturity. This is what will happen. He says, now we see through a glass darkly. Well, there are some people who, within this life, choose not to mature much or at all. Uh, If they are people of God, then God will help them mature, even though they seem like they don't mature at all, slowly. Okay? And I think when it comes down to the time to transition from now into eternity, if they know God, if they have a relationship with him, but they never grew much, uh, they will have a harder time. And also in heaven, it talks about crowns and it talks about uh, rewards that are given to those who did mature and change and grow and give and learn to love it will be your eternity. So if you live this life for 80 years and you live a hard life, but you've learned how to love, as God says is most important, then your eternity of a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million, ten million, hundred million years will be blessed extra for this little tiny dot in this life. Well, I think if you have learned to live like this through this chapter with kindness and patience and things, then you will. You will absolutely affect people. I think you'd be surprised how much you can affect people should you choose to live like this. This takes no money. This takes no position. It takes no power. Wherever you are, Whatever you have, whatever you do, you can choose to live this way. If God has made you a king in a palace, the most, the most uh, rich person on the earth or the poorest person on the earth with nothing, it, irregardless, the you can live this way. You can live this way. Well, often they do. But it's not because they have their money. They just have let other things get in, in their way. Maybe their money, maybe power, maybe whatever. Okay. You said it's not because they have the money, then you said it's Well, it maybe is, but it's it's not 
100% that time. Jesus said it was hard for a rich man to enter heaven. He didn't say it was impossible. Then he also turned around and said, but with God all things are possible. So God is the key ingredient regardless of the station you have in life. Okay? Regardless of where you started from, where you're headed to, it does not matter. This is the core piece. And this life, though right now in your life it seems like you've got a long time to live. As time passes, you will realize things get shorter and shorter and shorter and you have less and less and less time. And someday, you may wake up and have that chance to say, boy, I don't have much time left. And some of us may not have that chance to say that. We just might be gone. Something could happen. So the idea is to learn when you've got today, this opportunity right now to learn to live, how do we do this? How can I do this? How can I put as much stock into eternity as I can? Because what's in this life doesn't matter. It's a short blip on the radar when it comes to eternity. Someday we will stand in eternity if we have a relationship with God and we will look back and be like, what even was that? But we will understand better. And that's what it says. It says, now we see through a glass dimly. Now, we have things called mirrors nowadays, and we don't use the word glass very often when we describe a mirror. The but glass. the looking glass is exactly an older way to describe a mirror. I just quoted part of the movie. Okay? But they did not always have glass mirrors like we have today. Back in ancient times, okay, they used polished pieces of metal. So, if you've ever looked at your reflection in the side of your car, can you see yourself? Yeah. Depends on how if you've washed your car lately, right? <laughs> okay. But yes, and would you say it's a true representation of your image? Objects in mirror, maybe closer. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe. Maybe. It depends on how flat the panel is. It depends on how polished that section is, what color the background is. Some colors reflect more light than others, okay? But when they took a piece of polished gold or a piece of polished brass and they polished and polished and polished and polished and polished it the best they could because that's what they would use to look at themselves, it was not clear. It's your image and you can see it and you can understand what you look like, sort of, but you're missing some details and some clarity. And that's exactly what uh, Paul is saying here. He says, we see this thing with love in this like it's like looking through this dark glass, like looking through this old timey mirror when we're like, yeah, I kind of get what it is. But when we stand with God in heaven, we will see the clearest picture and understanding of how this all works and what was really important. We'll get the perfect picture then. We'll have a knowledge and an understanding of an adult. Like we grew up all of a sudden when God took us there and we see clearly and we say, oh, now I understand better because I can see more clearly. You were working over there. You were working there. I didn't even care about what you were doing over here. I thought this person was gross and I thought that person was mean and I thought that person was disgusting and I didn't like that person and I thought I was better than that person. And you were working in everyone's life around me if I could have only seen. I think we'll have regrets in ways. I'm pretty sure everyone has regrets. I'm sure everybody does. Some people don't look at them always. But there are, it's true. It's true. One person, they said their only regret was, I gave someone wrong directions left, well, I said. Well. It wasn't right. All right, so, verse number 13 to finish up. With that piece. Go ahead. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. 
Okay, now abide in faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, okay? The enduring things will be that faith, belief, hope, and love. Those are the enduring things. And Paul even says there's no law against these things. You can treat people with love even in the most... Uh, terrible, non-law-abiding society that you could live in on earth today, you could still treat people with love. You can still have hope even when they are doing terrible things. And, and think about people in Nazi Germany were treated terribly, but those who had hope were the most blessed, even when they were mistreated, even when they were brought to the end, if they had hope in eternity and hope in many other things, in God directly, belief. Those are the strongest three-legged stool you're ever going to get in your life. Okay, It builds the core, and love is at that as one of those very, very powerful, strong pieces. But love is not just saying, oh, I love everybody. Again, it's all of these things, being patient, slow to anger, not easily provoked, right? Not counting what other people do wrong. Not taking account of what other people do wrong, but instead saying they've got the best motives. Okay, I'm going to assign them the best motives, even if they don't deserve it. I'm going to assign them the best motives. And so in doing this, there's a reality of how do I treat people well? How do I watch over them and become attentive to them? Everybody has different ways they are loved. They feel loved. Uh, there's a book out that's written about five love languages, okay? Some people need just quality time spent with them and they feel loved. Other people need words saying, I love you so much, okay? Uh, you are the greatest, yeah, I, I thank you very much for all you do, and they have words of affirmation. That's another person's love gift. Another person uh, has um, where they feel most loved when they get a little gift. And it's not about the money, but it's about, I thought of you. And when I thought of you, I had this little thing that I picked up along the way. Some people have feel most loved when they're physically touched. A hug. Yeah, no. Right? A hand on the shoulder. Okay, right. <laughs> Just nope. Not provoking touch, okay, right? But there are people, and everybody's different, okay? Everybody's different, but what you need to understand is instead of how can I provoke people, is how can I spend time with that person? How can I give that person a little gift? How can I give that person a hug? You could name a person or two in our church that needs hugs all the time, can't you? Because you see those people. I need my hugs, right? There are people out there that need them. And that's not any more or less uh, of an important thing than your things that you need to feel loved. Okay? so. Understanding people and saying, I'm going to do this for people. That's an important thing of love. Now, one last thing I want to finish up this series with is this. Last week we said, if God loves, then why is there hell? This week I want to say, if God is a loving God, then why... Do little children get sick? Why do babies die? Satan. What happens? But isn't God more powerful than Satan? It's all just part of his greater plan. 
think on this for a moment, and I want to say this very carefully and very thoughtfully because we have had many people in our church and in many, many other churches, in your families probably, and in friends and things around you and throughout the, the world who have had great loss. A young child, whether taken away in an accident, whether whether didn't make it through to birth or made it through to birth and lived a short time. Each one of those things that happen in a person's life brings about deep pain. The loss of a child, the sickness of a child that brings them to death, or brings them to some weakness. And the question that we often hear about and throw out there is, if you love, if you're such a loving God, then why do you let this happen? Can't he be more powerful and stop it, right? If Satan was all that was in there, then can he be powerful enough to stop it? The answer is yes, he's more powerful than Satan. And I don't want to be trite about this answer, and that's why I give you a couple things to think about. We know that God is love. And love means so many things. That he is kind, that he's not jealous, that he's patient, that he doesn't tear people down, he's not selfish, he's not proud, he's not conceited, that he builds people up, that he rejoices in not having iniquity, right? So he rejoices in goodness. Because not only is God his love, but God is good too. God is good. God is love and God is good. So if you have hope and belief and endurance through something even as terrible as losing a child or a close family member, the depth of understanding needs to come in at this level. Although I don't have an answer for you about why did this baby die? Why did this young child get sick? Why is there cancer in two-year-olds and five-year-olds? We know some, we pray for some. Why do some little babies struggle Aren't they innocent? The day you're born, you're born a sinner. Well, you are, and that's the truth. But we also know and believe that God is good. And until what we believe is a time when a human can make a choice to say, I will accept God or won't accept God, and that's a personal thing in each person, uh, referred to as the age of accountability. In other words, I now know in my mind there is a God and I did do something wrong and I understand that God will forgive if I ask. Okay? That age and I say no or yes becomes a different matter. But even then God is patient and kind and loving and still looking for your best because God loves you. So, I only know this. I cannot answer why a specific thing happens that's bad. But I know that God loves you and God is good. And yes, the purpose might not be clear and the reason might not be clear, but the pain will be deep. And I don't want to say that that's not real, because it's very real, the pain and the loss. 
I don't have that answer of why a specific baby is, but I do know that there is hope and there is endurance that you can gain and there is belief and there is love that you can gain from an experience like that. And you can take that love and spread it to more people. God knows just what it's like to lose his only son. He knows the feelings. He knows the emotions. He knows the pain and the loss because he gave him up for me and he gave him up for you in a situation where we did not deserve it. So I don't know what God is doing, but I know and I can believe and I can know that and hope that God is love and God is good and I can have hope in eternal things for that little child. I can have hope and belief in eternal things and know that I can be with that baby someday. That's a stronger pull to God. Okay? So, again, I don't want to diminish it and I don't have the answer of specifically why. And if you go up to a parent who just lost their baby and says, well, God's got a plan for you, that's pretty uncaring. You know? That's pretty unkind in the wrong way. But you can go up to that person and say, I don't have an answer, but I'm here for you. Whatever I can do. That's love. So even those things become an opportunity for you and for me to talk about God, to be love like God is love. Right? So that's why we bring it up in that time. It's the most, when people are hurting the most, it's when they need the love of God the most. And they don't need to be told what's wrong with them or what could be in some trite answer and walk away. They need to feel kindness and patience. They need to feel that you're building them up. They do not need to feel jealousy or any of that. They need to feel that through you because you know God. All right, and back to our lesson in the begin with that says, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So if you are going to know God, then you are going to have to learn how to love this way. Because that's God's love. Thinking of everybody else first. And that's why we want to talk about love and God's love. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Uh,